that's the, uh, the topic of today, is talking about, uh, about uh, selfishness and how do we grow beyond selfishness because we all know it's something we confront every single day. Not only do we confront it just in the world around us, but we confront it internally uh, as well. Uh, I was just out uh, visiting my son a couple days here this last week and out uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, I love it when I go out there. Uh, one of the things I love is, is going to the metro station and, uh, you know, riding the metro is kind of cool. And, uh, but the place I love is the platform. You know, when, you, when you're waiting for the train, you ever watch people at the platform? It, it, uh, the way I discovered there's like three kinds of people at the platform. See, if you, you get there, you get off the train, you kind of watch how people disperse themselves as they're waiting for the next train to come. You know, there's one kind of person who is the person who just right away they get off that train, they go over to the next platform where they want to go, and then they just stand right up front. You know, the lights are here and the tracks are there, and they just plant themselves right in front because they are going to absolutely be the first to get on that train. Right? Seen those people? Yeah. Then there's also the guys who are back in the back, and they're back in the back kind of just leaning against the wall, leaning against the railing that's in the back, and they're just hanging out and waiting for the train, and they're kind of watching the monitor. But as soon as they see the monitor, it says, you know, arriving or one minute to go, or they see the lights start flashing there, you know what they do? They leave the back wall, and they weave their way through all the other people, and they find their way to get right up next to the guy who's been standing there the whole time in front. Do you know those people? Have you seen those people? Yeah, they just kind of weave their way through the crowd and they get right up there. Now, they probably, I mean, they don't stand right in front because that guy earned his spot right in front. But they just kind of stand right next, right? Now, there's a third kind of people on the platform. The third kind of people are the people who are just kind of standing there waiting for the train, they see the guy up in front, they know the guy's in back, and they also experience the guy in back as he weaves his way through them to get up in front. Those are the people who stand there, watch all this go on and go, what's with this guy? Correct? Yeah. Usually they use or think at least some other kinds of words that we won't use this morning, but usually they just kind of go, What's with this guy? Right? What's happening at the platform? We're seeing the different expressions of selfishness. Right? The obvious one that says, I'm going to be first no matter what. Right? The secondary one that says, I don't care that somebody else has been waiting longer than I have. As long as I can find my way to the front, I'm going to put myself up in front of the other people. And then, of course, there's the people in the middle going, what's up? I've been here longer. I deserve to be before them. Is that right? That's the way the world is. The world is filled with people who every single day are expressing their selfishness. Every day as we go through our day, we have to deal with one of those three kind of people who are going through our day. They're either weaving their way up front, trying to get in front of us, or they're already just stationed in front of us and they are not going to move. I mean, the, the reality is selfishness is part of our human nature. It's something that we deal with by virtue of dealing with other people or it's something we deal with because it's also 
part of us. It's part of us that tries to find its way to the surface and overwhelm us as well. I teach our confirmation kids about sin. I teach them, first of all, how to spell it. you know how to spell sin? S, big I, little n. I in the middle of everything. Selfishness is the way it works. And none of us are immune to this disease of selfishness. And not even the disciples. They were not immune to this disease either. If we go into the scripture and uh, we take a look at a, a circumstance from the Gospel of Mark, we'll see two of the disciples who try to weave their way from the back and get themselves right up in front. It goes like this. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, will you do us a favor? Jesus asked them what they wanted. And they answered, When you come into your glory, please let one of us sit at your right side and the other at your left. Jesus told them, You don't really know what you're asking. What did James and John try to do? Oh, they were hanging out in the back with all the disciples and they had an opportunity in front of themselves so they weaved their way through all the disciples and got right up next to Jesus and said, we know you've been up in front the whole time, but we want to just kind of be one at your right and one at your left. It was an expression of saying, look, if we don't put ourselves first, we're going to put ourselves first so we can share in the privileged positions next to Jesus. Jesus responds to them with these words. Are you able to drink from the cup that I must soon drink from or be baptized as much as I must be baptized? Oh, yes, we are, James and John answered. Then Jesus replied, You certainly will drink from the cup from which I must drink and you will be baptized just as I must. Jesus begins to reframe an understanding of what they're asking. You see, they're asking out of their selfishness. Jesus reframes, reframes the, ex, the experience, reframes it to try to help them understand that position doesn't come from selfishness. It comes from servanthood. It comes from being like Jesus. There is an outcome to the expression in this experience of selfishness. However, if you look at the next verse, it says, when the ten other disciples heard this, they were, what? Angry with James and John. Who are the other guys? They're the ones that are in the middle because they just saw James and John go whipping through them and try to get right up front in privileged positions. And they're now standing there going, what's with these guys? They're not expressing. The reality is when we express selfishness in this way, when we let selfishness take over, it's destructive. It's destructive. You know that's a, a true thing. How many of you have been in the experience, and don't raise your hand, they may be in the room, but how many have been in the experience where you've been sitting around and there have been yourself and, and three other people in a circle and, and you engage in conversation and one person in the circle dominates the conversation and all they do is talk about themselves? What goes on in your head? How quickly can I get out of this one? <laughs> right? Why? Selfishness is destructive. 
If you want to ruin your marriage, you don't have to come with some elaborate scheme of how to get rid of your spouse. All you have to do is decide you're going to live an absolutely selfish lifestyle. Make it always, always, always all about you and you will drive your spouse away. You want to get rid of friendships? Just make it all about you and you will drive friendships away. The expression of selfishness over and over and over is a destructive reality. We see it in the disciples. These two guys express that selfishness in an inappropriate way and all they're left with is the angry experience of the others around them. Jesus then takes control of the situation and he tries to define for us the alternative, the healthy alternative. Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that those foreigners who call themselves kings like to order their people around. And their great leaders have full power over the people they rule. But don't act like them. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. And if you want to be first, you must be everyone's slave. The Son of Man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. According to Jesus, what's the appropriate position? Serving others. Putting the needs of others higher than yourself. See, when you're in that, 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 that conversation with those three other people and, and that one person is dominating, what you need to do is step into the fray there. Step up and start the conversation and ask the person next to them, what about you? Tell me about you. And ask the person on the other side of them, what about you? Tell me about you. You need to engage and invite the opportunity to serve those two other people that are in that circle of experience. So you serve the others. And with your spouse, you want your marriage to be incredible. Don't make it about you. Make it about them. Live every day saying, look, I'm here to please them, to strengthen them, to edify them, to encourage them. You want to build up. Make your life about others. That's what Jesus did for you. He made his life absolutely about you. He gave up everything because of you. His was not a life of selfishness. His was a life of servanthood. Real life, incredible life, comes when we go beyond the selfishness and we experience a life of living for others. The challenge for us then is, okay, how do we move beyond it? Because reality is all of us have inside of us this brokenness that wants to come to the surface and express itself in this selfishness. So how do we move beyond the selfishness? The Apostle Paul gives us insight to that in Philippians 2. And it all comes in one verse. One single verse is all you have to remember. In Philippians 2, Paul says, Christ encourages you and His love comforts you. God's Spirit unites you and you are concerned for who? Others. How do you get concerned for others? You follow the path of that verse. 
If you follow the path of that verse, you will go beyond your selfishness and you'll live that life that God designed you for, which is a life that shows that concern for others and not the life of selfishness. You move beyond selfishness to begin with when Christ becomes your encouragement. That was his first words in the verse. It says, Christ encourages you. See, the answer for us to move beyond the selfishness is to let Christ become our encouragement. So what happens to most of us is we, get a, we want to get a handle on our selfishness. And so we go to the self-help aisle in the bookstore or the library and we find all those books on self-control. You know those books? Find all those books on self-control when the truth is, the biblical truth is, it's not about self-control. It's about Christ's control. It's about putting Christ in control. You see, the Bible would teach us we don't have the strength, we don't have the power, we don't have the ability within ourselves to exercise the kind of control that keeps us focused on the lives of others. It takes the invasion of Christ into our life. It takes Christ becoming the center of life. It takes Christ becoming our encouragement. It takes Christ becoming the center and controller of our days and our deeds and our words. It becomes Christ, see? When He is at the center, then we discover the strength that allows us to live that life for the other and not for the self. Paul would uh, tell the uh, Christians at Thessalonica these words. Tell them this way. God our Father loves you. He is kind and has given us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. We pray that our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father will do what? Encourage you and help you always to do and say the right thing. Who wants to do and say the right thing for the rest of their life? Did he just tell you how? If you want to live a credible life that does the right thing, that says the right thing, that is the right thing, it's because you live a life where Christ is your encouragement. That Christ is your strength. Christ is your guide. He is the one who puts control over your selfishness. You get beyond selfishness when you put Christ in control of your life. You get beyond selfishness when you receive, when you experience, when you cling on to Christ's committed love towards you. That was Paul's second phrase in the verse. Christ encourages you, and then it says, and his love comforts you. His love comforts you. You push selfishness out when Christ moves in and you just bask in his love. When you acknowledge, when you receive... When you're aware of how incredible God's love for you is. When His love for you is so evident in your life, there's no room for the selfishness to find its way to the surface. Paul says in Romans 5, But God showed how much He loved us by having Christ die for us even though we were sinful. That's an awesome statement. It says, look, even though you were experiencing at one time that selfish life, and if you're in the room today and that's what's controlling your life, Paul is saying to you this morning, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can put that selfishness to the back of the, back of the bus 
and you can put Christ to the front and have the incredible life He wants for you. God showed that He loved you that much to do that for you. He showed you in Christ. Christ came and did everything obedient to the Father. He loved the Father. He let the love of the Father be enough for His life, and He lived obediently to the Father. 1 John would say it this way, Real love isn't our love for God, but His love for us. God sent His Son to be the sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven. Dear friends, since God loved us this much, we must love each other. We push our selfishness to the side when we just bask, when we get comfort from understanding how much God loves us. That in this very moment, God's love for us is unchanged as it was the day the universe began. His love for us tomorrow will be unchanged. His love for us the next day will be unchanged. That every time selfishness tries to find its way to the front of the platform in our lives, God is right there to love us even more. We get beyond selfishness when we tie ourselves to the Spirit. Paul says, God's Spirit unites us. It ties us together. God's Spirit unites us. We grow beyond our selfishness when we're tied into God's Spirit consistently. When we're, we're in tune and tied up and wrapped up in God's Spirit. You see, as you go through your day, you're going to experience that selfishness. It's going to try to weave its way to the front of that platform in your experience. Or you're going to experience it in somebody else. And you're going to be that middle group. And you're going to say, what's up with that guy? How do you respond in those moments? If you're tied into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you the way to respond. The Holy Spirit gives you something greater and stronger than the anger. The Holy Spirit gives you something greater and stronger than the resentment. The Holy Spirit gives you something greater and stronger, and that's the ability to continually express love for that other person. If you want to move beyond the, the uh, selfishness and move it to the back of the back of the bus, it's because you're continually tied into God's own spirit. Now, the next one uh, is one that challenges us because it's not only being tied into a spirit, but letting that spirit take control. Ephesians 2 says it this way. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Now, all of us can come to the Father through what? The same Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit is there to be able to work in our lives, but we have to rely on that Spirit and not our own wisdom. We move selfishness to the back when we let the Spirit take control. We move selfishness to the back when we listen more to the Spirit than we listen to our own selfish desires. When we do that, that's all internal stuff, right? That's all internal, getting selfish to the back in our own selves. Then, takes, then the external takes control for us. We, move, we get beyond selfishness when we seek the happiness 
of others. Paul said it this way uh, in that Philippians verse. He says, Now make me completely happy, live in harmony by showing love for each other. Show it for each other. I love in this verse that Paul even stepped to the front of the platform a little bit and said, Look, guys, I want you to have incredible lives. Make me happy. Live a life that makes me happy. Let me get you on the path here. Just for now, just try to make me happy. Try to do what, what I've taught you in the Lord. Just try to make me happy. Just imagine, husbands and wives, if you woke up each day and you said, Look, my, my goal today is one thing. I just want to make my spouse happy. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you just woke up and said, look, I'm here today because God has gifted me with this incredible person and I just want to make them happy. Or you go into the office and you're surrounded by your co-workers and the atmosphere of the office and while you're in that office, you just decide, look, I am just going to concentrate on making somebody else's day better. I'm going to concentrate on trying to make my co-workers' day better than the way it started for them. How would that influence the atmosphere of your work life? See, selfishness gets put into, into the back when it moves off of us and it begins to turn towards other people. And we simply make it our goal and say, I'm here because I'm going to make somebody else, somebody else's life better today than the, than the way it started. We focus on seeking the happiness of others, and we put that into concrete action. Now, the last step so far, we've all talked uh, so far, we've just talked about doing that for ourselves, about understanding moving selfishness to the back of the, uh, of the bus and uh, instead others to the front. That's what Christ did for each one of us. But that also applies to us collectively as the church. So for a minute, I know we got lots of visitors today, but for a minute, I need to speak to, to Christ church folks because that's where Paul leads us. He won't let this be just a personal one-person thing. This is a whole church thing. It's a whole church thing because no church can thrive and survive and makes a difference in this world if it's a church that exists only for its members. It won't happen. God can't bless that. It can be a fun place. It can be really cool and neat and great to hang out at. But it's never going to flourish. It's never going to make a difference in the world because Christ's model for us is not selfishness individually and it's not selfishness corporately. It is for others. It's to have one vision about living as a people and a church for the sake of make a making a difference in the lives of other people. Paul said it this way, Be united in what you think as if you were only one person. He's talking to all of us saying, Look, we all need to get our heads in the same place that understands this truth. That we cannot live selfish lives as individuals and we cannot live selfish lives as a people of God. We are here because of God's incredible love for us. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives individually and corporately to make this world better for somebody else. This morning, Christ Church folks, we receive this message and we look at it and say, man, I know selfishness can be pushed to the side for me and Christ can be more and more in my life. 
But we need to receive the message of this morning and understand that collectively, this morning shouldn't be just about us getting an encouraging word. It should be about us understanding that when we go out Monday morning, there's a whole lot of people who aren't here today and they need to be here next week because they're dealing with selfishness every day and that's all they've got. They don't have the encouragement of Christ in their life. They don't have the love of God overwhelming their life. They don't have the Holy Spirit giving them guidance and direction. All they're left is the selfishness. And we discovered when you live in selfishness, it only creates destruction. Didn't we just say that a few minutes ago? That's all they got. And we're here because we know we know this truth and we are the ones God's looking upon now to say, look, you need to have one mind and one commitment that says you're here to change the world and move selfishness to the side. It's one mind and one commitment. Paul says, don't be jealous or proud, but be humble and consider... Did you see this verse? Others more important than yourselves. Did you notice there? There is no distinction there. It doesn't say consider other Christians more important than yourselves. It doesn't say consider others who are your family members only more important than yourself. It's a general, right? Consider who? Others. Others. You see, when you go into work tomorrow morning, there's people there who are struggling because they're left only with their selfishness. And their whole life is about standing at the front of the platform and saying, I'm first. And their whole life is about being back in the back and just waiting for every opportunity they can get to weave their way through life so they can push other people aside and they can get to the front. Or their whole life is just watching life go by and just being left with the anger and the frustration that says, what's with this? What's with this? And we're the ones who have the encouragement. We're the ones that have the love. We're the ones that have the spirit that they desperately need. You see, here's where Paul ends up, Philippians 2. He starts out talking to us individually. Here's where he ends up, uh, Philippians 2. And you want to talk about a vision and a commitment. Here it is. He says, we need to do this so at the name of Jesus, everyone will bow down, those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. How broad is that? Pretty much covers it all, don't you think? <laughs> so that everyone will bow down, those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And the glory of God the Father, will. everyone will openly agree. Would you say it with me if you agree? Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And that phrase... That phrase drives selfishness to the back and it keeps Christ in front of us and the opportunity to bring Him into the lives of others who only know the destruction of that selfishness. Friends, push selfishness to the side, not just in your own life, but in somebody else's. Let's pray.